Thank you so much. Can you see all right? I, I can see you so much better. And uh, when I'm up there, the lights are in my eyes and I'm very sensitive in the eyes. Um, not otherwise, but anyway, <laughs> you got to be alert to know when to laugh, folks. All right. Well, let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your loving kindness is better than life. We're so grateful for this opportunity and really grateful that you are here with us. We're so blessed and humbled by your presence. I ask you to open our eyes and our ears, our hearts. Let the spirit of revelation rest upon us, not just here, but daily. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for all the work you've done in our lives to bring us together today and where we are. Help us now, Lord, to know where to go. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I am so blessed and honored to be here, to be part of you. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, um, I'm going to operate this one-handed so I can't do the sword drill thing this morning. I'm going to go to Hebrews 10 in a few moments. Uh, I appreciate Pastor Jim. He's a, he has a pastor's heart. He's not just a CEO, but he's a, a real pastor. And uh, I know you're grateful for that. And I'm grateful to... Pastor Robin and grateful Pastor Perry, and I'm intimidated. I got all these pastors sitting out there. I hope they're gracious people. I'm sure they are. Uh, good to have Bruce and Jan Longstreth here. They lived in Mobile and Fort Lauderdale. We have we go back a long way, and others of you that are guests, uh, I appreciate you coming. Some of you I know have driven for quite a ways to be here. And uh, I appreciate the effort. I, uh, I'm grateful, you know, um, at my age to be anywhere, actually. But um, <laughs> grateful. <laughs> Where are we, Jim? I, I <laughs> Guy said, I've been seeing spots. He said, have you seen a doctor? He said, no, just spots. Anyway, I... Kind of at that stage of life. Agatha Christie said the smartest decision she ever made was to marry an anthropologist because the older she got, the more interested he was in her. And <clears throat> I hope that works this morning. Um, I, uh, I got, I'm stuck. Uh, I, I hope it's the Lord. But I'm stuck in a particular perspective. Uh, I was chatting with someone outside, and they said, you know, we're in transition. Well, that's the word for me. Is How many of you are in some kind of transition right now? Anybody here? Yeah. How many of you are too worn out to raise your hand? Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's what uh, Adam said to Eve when they left the garden. Honey, we're in transition. It's... It's, uh, but I, I've never seen quite so much happening that's transitional 
that we don't exactly know where we're going. Abraham went out not knowing. I feel like that. And of course, you think, well, when you get a certain age, you don't transition anymore. I don't think that's true. I think if you follow the Lord, you're always on a, on a journey and you're always in transition. Even death is a transition. But I, I do believe that our whole nation and perhaps the whole world is in a transition. Um, some of you may have heard me say this, but if you, if you can envision the Olympic symbol or the Audi symbol, the overlapping circles and ages or circles as it were, and we're in the period of overlap where yesterday is meeting tomorrow. And we have some really, really big decisions to make. And some big transition is not just what you go through. Transition goes through you. And that's the purpose of it. Well, I want to read from the New King James Version, chapter 10. I'll just read about seven verses and then read verse 11. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock. That's interesting. I can't pursue it, but Christ is called the rock. God is called the rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things, and this is where I got stuck. Now these things became our examples to the end that we should not lust after evil things as they lusted. And do not become idolaters as some of them as were some of them, as it is written, for the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play and so forth. Verse 11, now all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Boy, that is so full. Um, I want to go to Hebrews the 10th chapter, which carries a lot of the same message. I'll read, um, let's see, I'll just read verse 35 through 37, Hebrews 10. You can just listen if you like. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. A lot of people are doing that, which has great reward if you keep it. For you have need of endurance so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but those who believe to the saving of the soul. <clears throat> These things happened as an example to us. Can you see that with me? 
These things happen as an example to us. Now, the Apostle Paul says that twice. Um, so if it's an example to us, we need to pay attention to it. Now, he was writing to Christians in that day, but he's writing to us and all believers since that time that we should observe. And, and I, I believe the entire Old Testament is an example to us. I believe Israel is an example. I believe it's a metaphor. It's, of course, literal and true. But I believe God does everything that he does in order to reveal himself and teach us. And, um, but I, I got fixated on the Exodus. In fact, I just finished reading the book of Exodus. I'm in Leviticus, and it's not all thrilling reading, you know. I mean, this is not <laughs> your inspirational daily word. This is... Uh, there's some serious stuff here. How many of you know God is serious? I said he's serious. <laughs> Just anyway, he's serious. <laughs> you can't read the Bible and believe it without believing God's serious. I mean, he's not messing around when he says something. And uh, he means it. Anyway, I'll get off that. I'm losing the anointing. But I, uh, I, I, I want to go, but he's loving and kind. Anyway, he's <laughs> He's serious. So, anyway, it's an example to us. <clears throat> you know, we'd love to rewrite the Bible and recreate God in our, our image. But that's not the way it works. Um, your example or the, what you look at for a model becomes a dominant factor in your life. Um, we've all had models, our parents, um, coaches, teachers, other leaders perhaps, and, and they marked us. Hopefully they were good models. In many cases, they're not so good models that people, a lot of people are modeling themselves after celebrity. That's kind of foolish. It is real foolish, actually. The suicide rate is higher in that category than in normal life. It's important where you look. That doesn't mean in, in a model that it's perfect or you're going to do all the bad stuff. In fact, you can learn from people not to do bad stuff. But it's important where you look for direction. Uh, as someone has already said, life is uh, really short. Now, the Apostle Paul was well-versed. He'd studied under Gamaliel, perhaps the best known and best rabbi. And the Apostle Paul obviously knew the Old Testament. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And he says, you need to look at this as an example. Now, what I want to do is just give a kind of an overview of, uh, from someone said, 30,000 feet, maybe 60,000 feet, and I hope it's not totally in space. But I want to give a little overview of Exodus as it relates to the Christian life. Um, <clears throat> it's interesting to me. Um, 
you know the whole plagues. How many of you understand God has to sometimes deal harshly to get us released from our slavery? And uh, we go through a lot. Well, that happened, the, the children of Israel. Sometimes they were exempt, sometimes they're not. And um, so it begins when God gives Moses a word that he can be the one to deliver Israel out of slavery. Now, this is fantastic. How many of you know that words are powerful, especially the word of God? We need to, we need to pay more attention to the words that we hear and speak and so forth because everything was created by the word and words create. In fact, when you say something to somebody, it creates something in them. There's emotional or chemical response. Maybe negative, maybe positive, but words are powerful. All things that are were made by word. Anyway, Moses delivers the word. Now, Moses, Moses is 80 years old, 80 years old. He's an exile. He had to leave Egypt because he had killed somebody. Moses was a serious man too, by the way. 40 years in the wilderness, and he hears a word. You go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So it all begins with the word of God and an encounter with the Lord. And really, I'd like to ask you just parenthetically, what has God said to you? What word has he given to you that if you repeat it, if you exercise it, might make a big difference? That's an interesting question. Um, so he goes back, he delivers the word. You know the story. They go through the plagues, and God tells Israel to uh, kill a lamb and, and eat um, bitter herbs and unleavened bread and a lamb for a family. I mean, this is so, I, it's just hard just to skip over. This is so full of meaning. Paint the blood on the doorpost, and the death angel would pass over. Now, that is, how many of you see there's a type of the New Testament right there, the gospel? This is the gospel. And so they do that, and they start on their journey. They got passed over. The death angel passed. Aren't you glad God passes over us in, in regard to judgment and death? So anyway, they go through. Then they're baptized into Moses. I find that very interesting because he is their leader. He's their God-appointed leader, and they become part of him in the message God has given to him. And they're baptized in the cloud and in the sea. They have a double baptism. So they were saved by the blood, baptized in water and in spirit. You see that? The cloud came down, covered them, was between them and the Egyptians. I can't dwell on it, but let's just, you know, pass through here. They get to the other side. So the first word is salvation. Say it with me. Salvation. What does the word salvation mean? It means deliverance. They were delivered. So our journey begins when we're delivered from the captivity of the enemy who doesn't want us to go anywhere but stay where we are. And a lot of people do. So we get delivered by the sacrifice of Christ, by the confession of the blood. 
the life of Christ for us, for our life, and we're baptized, and that starts our journey, and uh, we're, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and um, don't forget that, by the way. I think a lot of people have. And then we go from salvation to celebration. They uh, started dancing. That's a wonderful stage. Um, <clears throat> you know, I hope you've all been there where you got so excited about what God has done, you danced. I still dance, but my feet doesn't leave the ground. Anyway, you know, it's, it's wonderful to be excited about the blessings of God, and, and uh, they danced. Um, I remember singing from the song of Moses. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. Yes. My Lord, my God, my strength, my song. Well, that's a wonderful, you know, that's a wonderful, <laughs> I hate to move on from there. That's a great time, isn't it? I mean, if you've ever danced for joy, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, this is great. Just to, you're thinking about what God did and how he delivered you and saved you and, and dealt with your enemies and all that. It's great. And then it's just three days they don't they realize something. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what we should have the benediction. I, I'm not sure. Maybe <laughs> they realize they got no water. Uh-oh. <laughs> you know, after the dance. Anyway, they went from celebration and anticipation of a great future to desperation. It's a short trip sometimes. I mean, it's kind of a big letdown when you go from dancing to desperation in just a little while and the wonderful miracle that you've seen and then you go from ecstasy to agony in three days. That's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, and they start the whole desperation thing. Well... <clears throat> Is that, is that because the devil does it? I think the devil's out there. He's out there in the wilderness. But I don't think it's the devil's idea. It's God's quality control episode. Um, maybe there's a better way to say it. But what he does, he tests. Uh <laughs> Pray for me now, saints. Please pray for me. I know I brought up a bad word. But he does. And it's not because he's angry at us or even because we sinned. It's because he wants some things to survive and some things not to. I guess let me just go ahead and jump the gun. You're not going to bring Egypt into the promised land. It's not going to happen. And a lot of Egypt is in our thinking. In other words, when you get saved, even when you dance, that doesn't mean your way of thinking has totally changed. You can't bring yesterday into tomorrow. If, the, if you're going to move into the next era, there's some things you've got to leave behind. 
It doesn't mean they were wicked or bad. Some of them were, but it just, just means it won't equip you for the future. As a matter of fact, it will hold you back. How many of you know the promised land is not Egypt? I say it's not Egypt. Where God wants to take you is different than anywhere you have ever been in your life. And when you're older, as some of us are, the idea of a big change is not pleasant, especially in change how you think. Now, I could use technology as an example. I got a new SUV a few weeks back, and I won't go into details, but it's got a lot of technology, and I hate it. I've almost had wrecks because of that stupid stuff, but the problems. <laughs> oh, by the way, when you get into the desperation part and you get into the wilderness part and, and the realization and realities of we don't have water, we don't have meat, we don't have, we don't have, we don't have, we don't have. <clears throat> Just remember what James says. Is it chapter 3, verse 4, I think? He says, the tongue, while it's a small member of your body, is a rudder, like the rudder on a great ship. It's small, but it guides. Watch what you say in the wilderness because it will guide you. Oh, boy. I, I, I'm, I'm not talking down to anybody here. I could spend a little time. I won't on my uh, genetic pedigree, but it, some things come natural. <laughs> Like bad words. You know, I mean, you don't even have to think of them. They're just down there. It's a gene. It's a granddad. My granddad had a problem. <laughs> One of my granddaddies was a sheriff doing prohibition. Anyway, um, and another one was a, a, a sugarcane raiser and a syrup maker in the swamps of Louisiana. as a German Cajun. Those are all bad cocktails. Now, what, you know, you can't help what you got, but you're going to figure out what to do with it when you're in the wilderness. Because the tongue is a rudder. The tongue is a rudder. Let's say it. The tongue is a rudder. Be careful how you steer. And it is. It's not only a rudder for other people. It's a rudder for you and I. And anyway. Thank God for mercy. Aren't you glad for mercy? All right, we got salvation, celebration, anticipation, and desperation. Now I want to spend just a moment on preparation. Here, here's what's going on, I believe, in our wildernesses. We are being adjusted or proven in how we think. Now bear in mind, this is not about whether you've sinned or not. I don't think it is. Because you just got saved, you just got blessed, you just danced and praised God, and now you're realizing some, some things, some realities. Um, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus hadn't sinned. 
He'd just gotten baptized in water, and the Spirit came on him, and he was immediately led by the Spirit, not the devil, into the wilderness. Now, the devil was out there, but something's going on here. If, if Jesus is our model and Israel is our model, there's something going on here that we need to get and not be afraid of and not misunderstand it. There's a transformation going on here that's very important. I think a lot of Christians have the idea that any difficulties of the devil. I don't think that's true. I'm not suggesting that, you know, I enjoy testing or that we all should. I'm just saying it's part of it. Did you ever buy a product you wish had been tested more before you bought it? <laughs> so now, by the way, we've got, we've got storage units. Anybody here have storage units? You don't have to raise your hand, but you, got, you know, you're renting a storage unit. You got a garage. Anybody here got a garage? Anybody got boxes in the garage you haven't opened since the move before last? We got them. And you start going through those boxes. And you can't just throw the whole box away because there might be something valuable in there. Even though you, and you go through it and you say, oh, I forgot all about that. I don't want to throw that away. And then your friend or your wife or husband says, throw it away. You say, I'll be glad to go through your box. You know, the, here, here's a, you know, you, you, it's hard. It's a life review. That's what you're doing in the wilderness, going through boxes. Toss that, toss that. Oh, Lord, I, I, I like those leeks and garlics that we had over there. We had some nice campfires. I know we were slaves, but we, but we had some good time. Throw that away. Oh, throwing, throwing your life away, throwing things that happened to you. Now, you don't have to throw the lesson away. But you can throw the situation away. Thank God. Okay, so, but you, that's not all there is in the wilderness is getting rid of stuff. <clears throat> you know, you know what really, um, can I have that little cup of water right there? Thank you. You, you know what really grabs me? <clears throat> Thank you. That's all right. Just a sip's good. I'm fine. You ever read through Leviticus and Exodus? Should. I hope you do. Uh, yeah, and, and the genealogies. You ever read through the genealogies? So-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. It's amazing to me that Moses wrote all that. I mean, I'm sure he had some help with, you know, people keeping records. Here's what hit me. Detail. Detail. I mean, how long the tent was, how wide the tent was, who could go in, who couldn't go in, when they could go in, what kind of clothes they wore, what the utensils were made of, what the altars made of. I mean, it is detail. 
You know God's interested in details? How many of you know there's such a thing as cells, microbes, quarks, atomic? I mean, little things that you can't even see. And then there's stars so big they make our sun look like a grapefruit. You know, I mean, we're, we're talking humongous. I mean, bigger than... I, I was looking at a picture that a Hubble telescope made. Uh, beautiful pictures, I'm sure all of you looked at. I thought, I think I'm looking into the brain of God. All those moving parts. Who has known the mind of God? Now, God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to make something. I want you to begin to prepare for entering the land. Now, the best way to get your mind off the past is start preparing for the future. Anybody here wish you had started that process earlier? How many of you know when you're lamenting the past, you're not getting ready for the future? One thing the devil is good at and loves to do is distract. Oh, look what they're doing. Did you hear what she said? That's not promised land material. Focus on preparation. Where are you going? Well, God won't tell you everything about where you're going, but he'll tell you what to do to get ready today. Give us this day. Today, if you'll not harden your heart. Today. Preparation. Okay, so we've gone. How to get out of desperation. How do you get out of desperation? Start preparation. Start thinking about where you're going and not what's going on. I believe God has a plan, don't you? I believe he wants to take you somewhere, but he wants you to get focused on that. Remember, we're in transition. We're on a journey. My biggest frustration, if I can say it this way and, and say it right, I hope, in the ministry is getting the church out of the church. We're in a <clears throat> theater mindset. We watch it all happen, watch the worship team, enjoy it, listen to the preacher, hopefully have a good experience, and go home. And we do that again next week and go home. We do that again next week. We don't a lot of times see ourselves daily on a journey. We're right where one pastor wrote a parody on Onward Christian soldiers, it's like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brethren, we're treading, treading where the saints have trod. He said, like a mighty tortoise moves the church of God. Brothers, we're trotting where we've always trod. Now, I, I want to be kind. I, I wouldn't want to live in a community without a church. I appreciate churches, and some are different than others. But, folks, the call is out there. We come here to get edified, but the call is out there. The trip is out there. 
And if we go out there with what God is saying, we can see things happen out there. And we might find out there some of our preparation for where we're going. Do you know when you touch a stranger, you're touching an open door many times and you're finding something that's going to affect you, not just them. My dad used to love to tell jokes and he, he said, you know, the vet went to put the pill in the horse's mouth, opened the horse's mouth, put the pill in the horse's mouth and got ready to blow on the tube and the, and the horse blew first. You know, sometimes <clears throat> you're out there and you think, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say that, and I'm going to tell them this, and then sometimes they have something for you too. I know if you, you, you come to this congregation and, and many churches, you're going to get something that's going to help you for the future. I, I believe that. But if, you, if, you, if you're going into an unknown area, you get desperate for, for guidance and help. And we are. Folks, listen. Where this country's going, it's never been before. Where the church is going, it's never been before. I don't know what the future holds, but I, 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 I believe with all my heart we're in a transition. And I believe that unless something changes in the culture, we're going to be looked on as a threat. I think we already are in some cases. I think we're going to have a little more headwind. And some are going to make it to the promised land and some are not. You see, that's part of what he's saying. He says, don't cast away your confidence. When things, when things get a little more difficult or a lot more difficult, don't throw away your confidence. Don't draw back. You know, we have some popular Christian leaders that have drawn back that, that, that cause others to stumble. It saddens me, but I'm not shocked or surprised because the time is designed to eliminate if you're not serious. So we're not of those that draw back, Hebrews 10, but, those, but we're of those that go on to the saving of the soul. Perseverance. Perseverance. This is not about being flashy. This is not about having the most glitz. This is about enduring to the end and getting where God wants you to go. I'd like to talk about occupation. Time is run out. Okay, let's just take the journey. There's, there's salvation and uh, baptism and, and then there's the celebration. And anticipation, I'm going to finish school, I'm going to get married, and I'm going to get a good job, and I'm going to have children, and we're going to live happily ever after. And then, you know, there's some tests. 
that can lead to desperation. Remember what's going on when we're in a time of desperation. We're being sorted out. We're learning to change our thinking. We're preparing for a whole different way of living. Newness of life, they say in Romans, Paul says. And then we start to preparate, uh, prepare. We're, we're looking ahead unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of the Father. We're preparing. How does God want me to think? See, this is not a status. This is a journey. This is not a club. It's moving. How does God want me to think? How should I think? How should I speak? What, what way do I want my tongue to guide me? How do I need to change my life to prepare for a better future? How do I get out of this desperation and misery into what I thought back here when I was baptized in water? How does that become a reality? Preparation turns a vision into reality. And I can enter into my God-called destiny or my dream or what I thought. What do I have to do to cross Jordan? And the battles won't be over, but at least you'll be where God wants you. What do I have to do? Well, repent of thinking wrong. Anybody here ever thought wrong? Don't raise your hand. You ever thought something didn't work out that way? You ever go your own way and find that it didn't produce what you thought? Repent. Repent of some things you said or did. God's able to work it all into his plan. Trust him. Go through what you got to go through. Get ready. To walk in newness of life. I don't know what else to say. Get ready. It ain't going to be like yesterday. I appreciate yesterday. But tomorrow's not going to be like yesterday. It's not going to be the system that saves us. It's going to be Jesus. It's not going to be, we can't, we can't talk about the church should do this and the church should do that. It's going to be about you. What are you doing? It's not what the preacher's doing. Thank God for what the preachers here are doing, but you can't hire somebody to do that. <laughs> Thank Jesus. It's about what you're doing. 
somebody wrote the pastor a letter and said, why don't you have the courage to tell the truth? Why do you keep messing around when you need to tell the truth? Why don't you tell it like it is? Signed, Anonymous. <clears throat> I love the old spiritual. It's not my brother and my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, that's standing in the need of prayer. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for Moses and the children of Israel and all that they went through in part so we could learn a few things. Help us while we're forgetting the past, not to forget the lessons. Help us to be ready for tomorrow. We don't know what it holds, but we know who holds it. I pray your blessings on this house and every house represented, all those that are doing their best to serve you and the body of Christ. Pray that you'll help us to be lights in a dark world and help us to take our place personally this morning, I pray, in your plan. In Jesus' name, amen.